Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Oh, wait. All right, here we are with Luis Siqueira, and uh, welcome to Magic Without Fears podcast. We've been looking forward to talking to each other for a while. Oh, man, it's nice to be here talking with you, brother. Um, I found uh, a very interesting conversation last time, and I was uh, looking forward to talk a lot of it with you. And uh, with your uh, your friends in, on the internet. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We met during the Marcelo Del Debio uh, interview, and you were one of the listeners. And you guys do live listeners, so that's really cool because we had a whole Q and A after, and I got to meet a bunch of you guys like right there after the podcast, and that was that was really fun. And you're uh, you're in Brazil um brazil just uh such an interesting place and you were uh yeah. you were telling me a bit about the the craziness going on down there of course we're going to talk about like magic and spirituality and all that stuff but given this the craziness of the world we're also also very interested in you know our, our fellow humans who live in different countries and are dealing with different situations um yeah, if you want to tell tell the world anything about the situation going on down there, what life's like in Brazil. You, were you saying you were saying you just elected a new a new fellow? Yeah, uh, about three years ago, um, we have a situation here. Uh, a left party uh, called PT was involved in a big big uh, corruption scandal. And this um, uh, made most people very angry about uh, the, the this left guy uh, uh, Lula. That people know um, the, the ex-president Lula, mm -hmm. and he was put in jail for about two years. But uh, this developed as situation that people voted in a guy who was uh, not know, not well known and uh, this guy is called uh, Bolsonaro this guy is from uh, the right and he's a very stupid guy and I think on my side that he's a psychopath and people elected him so we are facing a big trouble because uh, we had here about six six hundred thousand uh, deaths, uh, and the major part of it is uh, due to 
how this guy, how this Bolsonaro uh, is dealing with this COVID situation. And the economy just broke down and we have, we are now facing inflation and recession. People are starving. Very poor people are now starving. And strange things are happening. People are, are fighting for bonds, man, to, to make soup. Uh, so it's a very weird situation. We are not happy. We're very pissed off. And now uh, this guy, Lula, is now um, trying to reelect as president and facing this other guy, Bolsonaro, and I don't know. Uh, I, uh, in, in, when I, I read about uh, Alain Badiou, uh, the, this book that you, you tell me that was uh, one of your books of reading for your thesis. Yeah, but I, yeah. yeah, I read it and uh, through it, I could find that Bolsonaro is the bigger evil even uh, bigger than Lula. Uh, so we are now in this, this uh, very, very strange situation because economy is not, not right. Uh, people are losing jobs and there is no food for everyone. And at least uh, uh, vaccination went well around here. And 75% of the adult population are already vaccinated. So things uh, were getting into normal again. But then uh, this Omicron variation showed up and we don't know what we are going to get from it. Uh, it's very hard, man. Brazil is not facing a uh, 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 good time right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, Bolsonaro, like even I've heard of him, like, I think he, he you have to do a lot of, <laughs> a lot of messed up stuff for, for everyone, for, you know, for us, for me to know his name, like I would only have heard of him if he's done a bunch of bad stuff. And I think a lot of leaders, you know, a lot of leaders, you never hear their names, but when you know their names, it's usually because they've done some pretty bad things. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen a few little clips of, of this guy. Um, he doesn't seem like the, you know, the, the best leader, but it's I not, a, it's a not an age of good leaders. He, he has shown uh, uh, in various signs of uh, psychopathy. Um, he lies as, a, as an instrument of talking. And um, he uses uh, violent uh, authority uh, among his, uh, his uh, who, anyone who disagrees with him. And he was elected uh, basically because people were tired of corruption here in Brazil. So they, he, his, he, uh, his truth was uh, fight the corruption, but when he got in power, he showed himself as a truly corrupt person. So people don't know how to vote around here, man. It's a kind of thing that we face in uh, 
um, a, a country like Brazil, who has a little development of thoughts and that uh, education, uh, but we have to face it. It's our karma. Yeah, it's it's a tough one when you don't even know how to vote, and that's something I never thought that I would really understand on a personal level but but it's starting to it's it's definitely started to happen it's it's i can see how our country sort of go these directions now like whereas you know years ago i hadn't lived as long it was hard to understand how one sort of model of country could become similar to another another one and and what i'm saying is i do understand the idea now of not knowing how to sort of vote like like the last our last election here that we just had just seemed almost pointless right because like, none of these people are going to do any of the good things that they promised it's almost like what's the point in, in electing these guys and having them say what they're going to do when they don't have to actually do it yeah it's like it's like we're just it's like we're just feeding little lying monsters like hey hey little creatures anyone want to lie a lot come do this and you can lie to us and we'll give you money and trust yeah thing is here in brazil uh people are seeking for uh the great father mm. uh, someone who can uh substitute uh, a real father and uh, lula was uh, in was an image of a great father. Bolsonaro sell himself as a great father as well, and Brazilians um, do not uh, participate of politics. They just vote, and this is a big problem because you don't uh, talk with the politicians. We don't follow politicians. We don't uh, outdict what these fat people do, and they stay four years in power. So if you do shit, you have to deal with shit for four years. So. Oh man, do you know? In, do you know we don't even have term limits in Canada? No, I in don't. Canada here, like yeah, Trudeau, for example, there's no term limit. He can stay in charge forever. He's, uh, uh, is he a prime minister or a president? Yeah, prime minister. Same yeah. thing. Yeah, but uh, they can pull him out. Uh, the politicians can pull him out if, if, they, if he made a lot of shit. Here in Brazil, Bolsonaro make a lot of shit every fucking day. But they can't we do have anything. To, we can't do anything. And I, yeah. Yeah, no, it's Probably true. It's true. We're we're voting for this shit. So, you know, we're voting for it. We're choosing it. Yeah. In theory, some I mean, yeah, he it, it would be wrong to compare Trudeau with Bolsonaro. I would never compare our Canadian prime minister with a, a such a strong and powerful man like Bolsonaro. Yeah. <laughs> See if I can insult them both he at the does, same time. He does not deserve it, man. <laughs> But if he listens, then he'll be like, oh, maybe that Canadian will let him live. I'm strong. Yes, you were very strong, sir. Very strong. Oh, God. Oh, God. What a madness, brother. 
Louise, but it's great to have you on the on this podcast because uh, you know I think it was actually last winter that we first met and we've kept in touch and uh, I've gotten to know quite a few Brazilians since then and and that's been really awesome. It's always been a a fascinating country to me that I would like to see. I have a lot of friends who have who've been down there and and damn, you guys put on some amazing concerts. It seems every time I see a band that I love and they're playing in Brazil, there's like a million people there. Yeah, we uh, we like a lot to participate in the big parties. Um, it's normal for uh, we we. The, I think that the big one is Rock in Rio. Yeah, people love it. Just love it. Myself, I for myself, I don't go to this um, very crowded reunions. I don't like it uh, to to be in yeah. a place with a lot of people. I don't feel well. Yeah, yeah. No, as I know, as 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 um, amazing as some of those events can be, they're a bit, yeah, they're a bit crowded. That's for sure. So, hey, let's talk about let's talk about what we're here to talk about and, and magic yeah. and mysticism and all that stuff. And and uh, what's so what's a bit of your background for for people? Um, how do you get into the mysteries and magical things? Well, man, to be truthful, I heard voices in my head. Uh, I was about uh, 18 to 19 years old and start to hear voices in my head. And uh, I start thinking that, oh, I'm not crazy. So what is, what is happening with me? And uh, so I look for some explanation. And ingressed in the Rosa Cruz, Rosa Cruz, um, here is called Amork, antique and yeah. order of Rosa Cruz. Yeah, and yeah. And started there. So I, I think that was about six to seven years that I stayed there. I stayed and until the nine degree of temple and but the rosacrucians are some kind of christian and i did, didn't like um some things that uh, i start to to see there um so i left rosacruz and start to study for myself then I begin to study Chaos Magic um, with uh, little books from Hey Sharing. And I saw there um, some kind of liberty that I loved. So I begin to work with myself from about three years and then joined the IOP and stayed there for stayed there for about uh, five years. Then I was excommunicated, and so I thought, oh well, what what I'm gonna do now? And start my own group of people with another kind of perspective, without degrees, without uh, any uh, rules of conduct only principles, very anarchist 
principles. Mm. So I stayed with this group for the last 20 years and we developed uh, our kind of magic through dreams and through unconscious. So um, about 10 years ago, I was looking for foundations. Uh, I magic worked, okay, but uh, how it worked, uh, how magic works in the universe. And with these doubts and thoughts in my head, I walking in the street, uh, facing Freudian school of psychoanalysis and went there uh, and talked to the, 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 the girl, the secretary, oh, I want you to study here. Uh, when are you gonna have uh, another, another class? And she said to me that, oh, we are starting a new class today. So I subscribed, she subscribed and uh, stood for about four years, Freudian psychoanalysis. And that uh, knowledge changed everything that I thought about um, and think about magic. And since there, that um, <clears throat> I, he, he built all the knowledge that I have, but in this another foundation in Freudian psychoanalysis. And start to study another uh, thinkers and another guys like Young and Reich and for the last five years Lacan and for me now magic is about language and about how we speak with the universe and how we use the words so my magic today it's a kind of a hairy thing because i don't know here in brazil i don't know anybody that uh, uses this kind of thought um, so i'm now uh, dealing with this um, personally uh, how to deal with uh, lack of desire how to deal with depression and the magical way. Uh, so this is my background. I came from occultism, traditional occultism, and changed my way to psychoanalysis. But I'm still doing magic, but another kind of magic. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, so yeah, the IOT mentioned the Illuminates of Thanateros. Um, when when did you join them? What what year was that about? It was about uh, two thousand. No, let's see. Nineteen ninety eight. I went in, and in two thousand and three. I was excommunicated. So well, what happened? Was this during the ice wars or, or something? No, no the, the, the ice wars uh, was when Peter Carroll was in IOT. 
and Frater UD was in IoT. It's in about, I think it's about the early 90s. Early 90s, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I disagreed with how things were made in IoT here in Brazil. Mm. I thought that we have to do more magic, to do more meetings, to study more. And the person who was in charge thought differently. Um, and we disagree with each other. And they, when I started to build my own group inside IoT, they looked for a reason and excommunicated me for the Discordian. Uh, they say that I was a I was a Discordian person. Hmm. So uh, I I think that for me uh, looking uh, into the past now was the best thing that happened to me was yeah. the excommunication from IoT because um, I, the, in that time, I don't know now, okay, I don't, uh, I don't know how they are operating now. I, I have friends inside of Brazilian IoT, but I don't ask him and I don't ask the persons what they are doing. Uh, but at that time, uh, things are kind of a sect. I don't know if it's the right word in English. Um, yeah, it's like a sect, you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like you have to have the common enemies and fight another person's fights. And I, I didn't like it at all. I uh, think that we have our own problems and if we make mistakes, we have to solve it from ourselves, not uh, appealing to a group. Uh, it's kind of yeah. I don't know. That's so, the that's the culty sort of stuff um, that that happens, right? When like you know one person in the group doesn't like a thing, so the others have to not like it too, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. This I don't so. It's a uh, narrow view of the world. If you have yeah. to view the world with another person's eyes, uh, I don't like. I, so for me, it was <clears throat> I think it was very a, a very good opportunity to start again and to build another group with another foundations. And this group that I am in now is have about twenty years, and we made. We make um, an yearly uh, event every year uh, with the duration of five months that is called Chaos the Journey, mm. which is uh, about know ourselves through dreams. And we study our dreams and try to build um, meanings of our dreams and use the dreams magically. So it's another kind of work, uh, another kind of view of the world. 
Do you think, I, I know a lot of my listeners are very much into dream work and lucid dreaming and, and all of this kind of stuff. Can I'd love to hear some more examples or sort of insights that you've gotten from, from running a group, uh, from having a group so long dedicated to that kind of thing. We do a, a public event every year. We have about a uh, hundred to a hundred twenty persons um, that uh, subscribe to this event and with the duration of five months, and we start to cross the the dreams from this person, this people, and from this crossing, from this database we found a lot of metaphors and these metaphors uh, are now our, um, how can I say, um, archetypes. Mm -hmm. And we have about uh, 23 major archetypes and 52 minor archetypes that uh, is a kind of a map of dreams. And we implant a desire inside of each of one of these persons that they have to grasp from their dreams three kinds of uh, personas, uh, magical personas. And uh, these personas are related to um, brain functions. Uh, mental, mental functions, and we relate one kind of operational and executional thought uh, to one archetype, major archetype that is the the maker. Uh, in Brazilian Portuguese, we call uh, executioner, and with the archetype of the rational and analytical thought, we have a scientist, an archetype of a scientist, and with the emotional and, and, and intuitive uh, mode of mental thoughts, we made an archetype of a fool. So we have these three archetypes, major archetypes, that uh, represents um, how a person's how a person uh, operates and uh, we made a game with this uh, and we called it the triad game when a person's uh, when a person have a feeling and make an action based on this feeling and then after making an action starts to think about we call this the mundane mode of operation. Uh, first feel, then action, and afterwards uh, think about it. And uh, we saw this as uh, a major um, mode of operation for most of people. And we develop in our magical way, another kind of operational, uh, which is start with thinking, start with planning, start with uh, 
the rational and analytical thought, then go to execution. And afterwards, we do the emotional uh, interpretation of all of it. And this we call them our magical way to plan, think, action, and then afterwards feel. After uh, these years, I found that uh, Lacan has some, when Lacan postulated that uh, the three dimensions of uh, psych, one of the imaginary, another one, the symbolic, and the third one, the real. Mm -hmm. And we then uh, found that this archetype of rational thought is uh, majorly uh, grounded in the symbolic. And the fool who is the emotional and intuitive uh, operational uh, is related to the imaginary and the executioner is an agent of the real. Not, it, it is not the real, but an agent who provokes uh, real in the life. So, I just about uh, six months ago start this new uh, philosophy of trying to relate uh, the Lacan's work with our work and how we can do things with that. For me now, the, the most important thing that I'm trying to grasp from it is how to make desire happen because uh, cause magic is about making desires that you already have to, to reality. So uh, when I do a sigil or any of another kind of magical operation, what I'm looking for is to make my desire to happen. But this desire was already there. Somehow society, friends, and other people's desires um, planted inside of me those desires. So from today, I am thinking about how can I make a desire in myself? How can I mm. desire something that I, I didn't desire uh, uh, yesterday? Uh, because mm. I'm I'm fighting uh, with this situation now. Uh, I have to develop a desire uh, for a situation that I have to to face, and I'm I'm procrastinating. I'm delaying it because it's not my true desire. Mm -hmm. uh, my desire is to be on the beach, uh, <laughs> to to take some sun and to read and smoke a cigarette on the beach. This is my desire. This I do every day that I can. Yeah. But how can I uh, develop another desire? How can I implant a desire on myself? And I, I found that desires are made of beliefs. So uh, my belief system, the things that I believe, make my desires. And I have to, to, to change these beliefs on the unconscious 
I have to make another chain of representants, another chain of ideas and put it in my unconscious to make another desire to happen. And this is my work now. I am I'm working with this because I'm facing it. It's my, I, my problem today uh, to get, because I was in a, about 10 years, I was a trader in the capital market. And I earned a lot of money, but it was a very stressful situation. Um, some days I didn't sleep at all. Uh, and when in, in the capital market, you don't want every day. You won, but you lose. And the thing is, is the mathematics of the result. Uh, you have to earn more than you lose. It's okay, but it's very stressful. And uh, I want to come. I want to to go back to the capital market next year because uh, I'm thinking about. Uh, I have a I have a a job. I don't. Uh, it's in Brazil. It's uh, it's different. I. I'm a member of the federal government. I made a public contest and was approved about 29 years ago. So I work from the customs and uh, tax uh, audits from the federal government in Brazil. Mm. And I'm trying to, to, to end this career. I'm trying to change it to another <clears throat> incoming thing um, and for me with the knowledge that I have the the best way is to go back to the capital market but I I have this this um, how can I say these inscriptions in my past of stress and I don't want to stress anymore I want to stay on the beach man how can a guy that wants to stay on the beach wants to stress with life? I don't want stress at all. So this is the problem that I'm facing now. And I'm studying and uh, searching for a way to create desire. <clears throat> Have you found that there's a big difference as it, uh, in the in these kinds of desires magically the the desires we already have versus the desires that you say you're trying to create i'm trying to understand maybe the significance of creating new desires in your view in your system because uh, the desire is, is somehow the, uh, it sounds a little bit here. like it, it reminds, it sounds like you're sort of talking a little bit about programming, you know, versus the programming we we grow up with and naturally have, like you say, we get from other people or society and those desires that get programmed into us versus sort of unprogramming ourselves and finding the true desires that we actually have. Like often we think the, the, the kind of life we should have is, is good for going to be good for us. And then we discover, oh, I don't know why I thought this would be a good life for me or this would be a good choice. It's just what I thought was the right thing to do or something like that. 
or I just grew up with this feeling like I should do this. But actually, when I investigate my, my actual feelings and what I really want in life, it's something totally different. Uh, something like that. Uh, but it's not really about uh, finding your true will as the, the search in telemic uh, way. Right. Um, it's kind of really uh, developing a desire that you don't that you don't desire at all in this day, uh, because a desire is the the major uh, for cows magicians is the, the major operation of of, of magic. Uh, you is, is that your dog? Yeah, please <laughs> let me let. It's a, a French bulldog. <laughs> And I'm babysitting it uh, from my daughter. And yeah. Let, let, just a second, please. Yeah, no problem. I'll hit pause. There we go. So, All right. <clears throat> yeah. So it's not the true uh, will. It's not the true will. You're talking about desire as a functional attribute in making magic happen, especially in chaos magic. Yes. Uh, here in Brazil, uh, chaos magicians. Uh, or at least uh, they say they are chaos magicians when they made sigils and servitors, okay? Mm. But I think that a truly chaos magician has to be able to change their beliefs, to change what they believe in, to change their belief system. And uh, as a result, uh, this kind of thing that I'm facing now, is that I believe that I will be stressed, that uh, I will be unhappy uh, coming back to the capital market. And I have to change it. I have to change these beliefs. Uh, and changing it, I can implant a new desire of being the capital market. Um, so it's not really a true will. I'm not looking for uh, the grail. No, you're talking about using magic to change what you want to do in a way so that yeah. you will want to do something that would be good for you because yeah. you're saying it would be good for you to go do this work for a while <clears throat> and you, but you just don't want to do it even though it'd be good for you so you're talking about yeah reprogramming your desires so that you'll actually have desire for something that's good for you even though you don't want to do it right now yeah. that makes a lot of sense so that yeah now i know that that makes a lot of sense i mean that is damn i can't remember how many times when i was first learning magic um that i was that i would do rituals to like sort of you know get myself into psyched up for studying something that i maybe didn't want to study like you know taking tests like uh taking tests or in subjects that i didn't want to study in school i would i would work with you know spirits of of air and mercury or fire sometimes and or a combination or even work with god forms just to make me focus and and learn what i needed to learn even though it wasn't my favorite thing uh. yeah <clears throat> the, uh, the learning uh part of it i am doing so um the last two years uh i studied a lot about uh, programming robots for the capital market. And I have already made some robots. Um, I am delaying and the beginning of 
this as a day-to-day -day basis, but uh, the approach of the knowledge I did, uh, the conquer of this knowledge I did, and now it's just a thing that I have to desire to be on it uh, every day. Mm. Uh, so you see, uh, <clears throat> people want uh, to first, uh, the first barrier uh, for anything new is to conquer the knowledge of that area. This I did. I conquered it. Uh, the thing is, uh, to develop this uh, desire to begin the day and feel happy and start uh, the robots and following their operation and being happy following it uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, but it's okay. Uh, at least uh, I'm... I'm in the situation of life right now that I don't need it. Uh, I don't need another uh, incoming. I don't need more money, but I need something to do that make me happy. Uh, and as a Taurus person, this is almost always related to earning money. Uh, so it's not for the need of uh, a, a life with more comfort or more richness. No, it's just for being happy making money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely a big fan of, of, using, of using magic to sort of help us need to do what we have to get done in life or to achieve our our sort of goals and often that requires a, a, ch a change and shifts in in how we understand ourselves and how we relate to the world our symbolic reality right we have to often alter the makeup of the symbolic order of our reality and this is psychoanalytically speaking of course in in lacanian terms and and that can be very challenging to alter it right i think what happens often um, so speaking again in Lacanian terms of the real, the symbolic, and the imaginary, often in the in the in our symbolic structures and of, of consensus reality, we we find ourselves wanting to uh, change it, but because we don't understand the mechanisms for those change changes psychologically, and therefore every in every other way, we often I think that's what I think often uh, ejects ejects us into the imaginary. So, you know, if you can't change your symbolic order, if you don't know how to change your symbolic universe, you, I think a lot of people in that struggle depart into the imaginary and that's where psychosis and, and, and you know, some mental problems can begin, of course. They start usually in that relationship between the symbolic uh, and the imaginary orders in Lacanian's thinking, in Lacan's thinking, of course. But I think that's, that's a big thing. The, fleeing from the symbolic into the imaginary because we don't understand how to change the symbolic and of course that's what as you know because you've read my book and you know that's what i wrote about is the 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 cause of that symbolic change which can occur and does occur and is usually the result of a traumatic encounter with the real and that shatters the symbolic order 
of your universe and allows you to put it together in another way, which is really, in my opinion, what a lot of magic is very good at doing. Yeah, for me, <clears throat> I think that uh, what I'm facing is that uh, somehow this previous um, experience uh, crystallized in my imaginary that I will face stress is a belief. This was planted in my imaginary that is an image that uh, operation in capital market it's stressful. Uh, I'm trying to change uh, my symbolic relation with it to broke this image to solve these beliefs in the imaginary that I have now that uh, will be stressful and that I don't need it and this kind of thing. So I'm now trying to change this symbolic chains uh, as a way. Um, and I'm trying to find a way in magic uh, using words using how I operate this. And the simple fact that I'm talking to you about this problem is, uh, is a way for me to, to somehow uh, change one of two of these symbolic relations. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, that's... Um... And there's ways to change these things that are not that are less traumatic, I think. And magic is a is a good way to do that. Psychoanalysis is also a good way to do that. Psychotherapy can be a great way to do that. What are some of the the practices and techniques you found most useful for helping yourself to be for helping yourself be the kind of person to, that that enjoys doing the things you want to do and and can handle the things that you need to do to be happy. The last time that I made uh, such a thing uh, was through an antiogen. Um, I was on a broken marriage and I had this image that I will uh, only be happy with another person on my side and somehow accidentally I took um, a good dose of LSD and uh, with a friend in a very happy situation and we walked through the city all night uh, laughing and talking about shit of life. Uh, the other day I was just another person. Uh, those image, images of uh, my previous uh, wife was unmade and I was able to go with my life and seek another kind of uh, death. Now I have a, a girlfriend which I love, but I am a very solitary person. I live alone. I don't uh, want to, to build this kind of uh, dependence anymore. Uh, that, uh, so uh, that time 
what which what worked for me was an antiogen in a very specific situation. And now a word from our sponsors. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. While we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated, we thank you for listening to those that do since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot, plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I will try it again. <laughs> And because uh, I I'm without using antioxidants for the past uh, two years, but probably it's the way. Okay. Yeah, yeah they. <laughs> the dogs having a having a a fit, hey. Um, yeah, no, entheogens can be so great at at, at doing uh, at, at, yeah at helping us facilitate those experiences. Jesus, he really wants attention. She, she really wants attention. She really wants attention. Uh, can you stop just a minute? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the dog's quiet now, but now there's some truck outside my window. Oh well, that's okay. Uh, okay. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Perfect. No, I was oh. enjoying uh, what you're saying. It's it's very yeah it's good um but where were you at exactly uh about how antiogens can right. solve in the some beliefs in imaginary system yeah yeah we have all these mushroom dispensaries now in in vancouver popping up and but like the one they had a beautiful one next to my house and then they closed it so like they're doing the thing now because it's not legal, but it's not illegal. So we have the dispensary pop up, sells a bunch of mushrooms. They close one down and then two more open up because it's not technically illegal to do it, but it's also not legal to do it. So they can close you down, but they might not. So they open up and then they're gone. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's like when before weed was legalized. But it's yeah, crazy well, to see all these stores selling magic mushrooms on the main streets of the city like regular stores like the barber shop down the street from my house sells mushrooms in the back and the setup is beautiful like very beautiful setup they even like even have kombucha infused mushroom drinks for 20 bucks yeah man that's great crazy uh, right oh nowhere has this i think i don't think i don't know if uh, i i I don't know. I think very few places in the world have mushroom dispensaries right now, but Vancouver has always been on the cutting edge of pushing these things. Like uh, we're sort of the reason that we got pot legalized in Canada is because they just kept opening up places. You could buy it in 
they just didn't stop. They just kept opening up new places and they'd get closed down, open up new ones. They'd get like hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines. They would pay it, no problem. They'd pay it, no problem. They would pay it every day sometimes, keep and stay open. And that's how we got legalized, really. Yeah, it's a paradise for me. I I like uh, marijuana a lot. <laughs> Here in Brazil, it's illegal. So, which is crazy. I can't believe marijuana is illegal in Brazil. Marijuana <laughs> is illegal. <laughs> How much money legal, does Brazil make in drugs? <laughs> uh, in, in relative terms, uh, it's ayahuasca. Uh, okay. You, yeah. You can you can uh, uh, participate of ayahuasca meetings. Uh, they're not selling on the street, but you can find a supplier and buy some uh, by mail. Um, some mushrooms as well. You can buy some by mail. Uh, but uh, I, people around here is majorly uh about drinking uh, about drinking cachaça no? uh, strong spirit alcohol um, mm. but i don't like alcohol a lot and i think it's it's, it's not for for uh, the purpose of of uh, enlightening yourself or finding ways to solve your problems i think alcohol it's just a way to relax and a little alcohol, probably a little wine, uh, some whiskey, some cachaça, it's fine. But to put it every day here, it's uh, here in Brazil, it's a kind of a, a public health problem. Yeah, well, of course, it, of course, uh, anything that helps you escape. Um, yeah, it gets abused when, when life is hard, when life is rough. And damn, I think everyone has has drunk a lot more since COVID. Yeah, uh, for myself, I was uh, deprived from my suppliers of marijuana. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the situation that you don't have to, how you can buy something, uh, you don't know. Uh, here in Brazil, they there there's no. Uh, way to, to to assure that uh, you have a quality thing on your on, on your hands because mm. as being illegal everything that you can access is through traffic and this is a sh shitty situation yeah uh, you, can, you cannot choose uh, and there is a kind of marijuana here in Brazil uh, there's a Paraguayan marijuana, which is the whole plant, and you don't know how it was grown, and you don't know which kind of uh, shit they put inside of it, so it's kind of hard. But, <clears throat> okay, uh, I, I am doing my life without it right now. Yeah, yeah, that sucks, man. Like, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine not being able to get weed in South America or Brazil or anywhere these days, but it's true. It's true. Um, yeah. Uh, when I was uh, in England, I, I tried to get a, get a joint and I asked everyone I could 
And they all said, we can get you anything except weed. I'm like, no, I just want weed. I just need to join after like all the international travel, you know, it's like, I need to, anyway, but such is life. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll, uh, we'll make it a, we'll make it a universal medicine soon. Right. Maybe, hopefully we could just like, we could tell people that every time you get a vaccine, you get a bag of weed too. Yeah, yeah, should be fine. <laughs> yeah, that that people will be like, you know, yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Hey, it's, I'm curious. Did you ever? What do you think of the work of Frater Ud? Well, man, um, uh, I think that he made um, very. Uh, how can I say this in English? Didactics. Uh, he made a way of showing uh, techniques that is um, very uh, easy to understand. Hmm. So the books that I read from them was easy to read, easy to understand. <clears throat> but the thing is, uh, the person, the personality of this guy. I don't like it at all. Mm. Uh, I think he's a, a guy who's searching for the same thing that Peter Carroll searched, uh, followers. People that can see him as a master, a disciple-master kind of relation. And I don't like it at all. I don't like masters. I don't like uh, to to <clears throat> attend uh, to this situation that uh, someone can tell me what to do or what's right or what is wrong. I want to think for myself. I want to question authority. And I, so I don't like authority persons. And Peter Carroll and Frater UD, both of them are persons who are searching for this place of authority it's ironic that that two uh, of the like i guess leaders of thanateros and uh, chaos magicians would want authority so bad um when chaos magic most people i think chaos magic would be contrary to authority and challenging authority but you can really tell when you're reading a, an author whether it's, you can sort of feel it if, if they're the kind of person that are trying to attract these followers or devotees. You know, they sort of say things in a way like, you know, here, here's a couple ways, but this is the, I sort of know the best way. Maybe they tell you, maybe they don't. And also just that sense of not giving the reader or the student the tools to discern for themselves, but rather telling them which, what, which is the best tool. And maybe not even showing them the options. To me, that's always a problem in a teacher when they are like, you know, there's a bunch of options, but this is the best one. Just do this one. Trust me. And I think it's better to sh show people all the options and explore those options and show them, give them the tools to understand what the what the criteria are for them. I totally agree with you. The person that I admire is Ray Sharon. Uh, What's the name? Right. Uh, hey, Sharon. 
He was he was one of the founders of IoT. Okay. He and Peter J. Carroll founded IoT, and the term "cow's magic" was uh, printed was um, a creation of Ray Sharon. And uh, Ray is a great person. Is a, a very uh, anarchy anarchist person. Mm. And when uh, Peter Carroll uh, brought this uh, degrees and uh, hierarchical thinking on IoT, Ray Sharon left uh, IoT and for doing his own um, job. So I met Ray Sharon personally. I was in his house twice on the Fuerteventura Island, uh, Canary Island in Spain. Uh, he's a very happy person, uh, a simple person, very intelligent, and a person who wants you to think for, for yourself. And this is kind of person that I admire, a uh, person who sees in you a potential of thinking different and making things your own way and making magic in a different way. Uh, this is my kind of author. Oh, wonderful. That's, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's always nice to, to hang out in Spain, isn't it? <laughs> So yeah. very beautiful oh, place. Oh, I want to get back there. Like, yeah, I had, I had plans before all this pandemic, brother. I had plans, man. <laughs> I haven't. I have never had uh, seen a black beach before. Oh, Puerto you got Ventura. to see that? Yeah, man. Oh. Astonish is something from another world. Uh, black sand, so, and we thought very clear water just, yeah just beautiful yeah i never got to see that i spent i got to spend two weeks in uh, mallorca um in 97 which was really cool because at the time i i was i was very well i still am into ramon lully ramon lul the blessed ramon lul and they have the big statue of him there in mallorca where he's from in palma and uh yeah i was staying on a villa outside of town and I was, yes, I was a teenager then. It was actually, I was, and I was reading, I took with me two books or three, two books. I took Magic Without Tears by Crowley and I took Israel Regardi's Tree of Life and maybe one or two other books. And uh, um, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, doing a lot of magic in, 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 that, in that sort of, you know spanish countryside on the veranda at night and the hail bop remember hail bop was really bright in the sky it was really powerful time doing magic there damn yeah i want to get back to spain man that's so cool to see the black sand beaches the black sand beaches are just uh yeah i've always wanted to see those yeah it's, it's about the volcanoes uh they including one of uh i think then the past three months, one of those volcanoes just erupted and people were uh, leaving their houses 
and a river of lava uh, reaching the, the sea. And I think it's about the volcanoes. Uh, those islands, the Canary Islands, are majorly from this volcanic soil. Uh, and it's very beautiful to see. Wow. Very different from Brazil. In Brazil, we don't have volcanoes. We don't have uh, black sand and nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, probably, probably not many places have black sand. But damn, that would be cool, huh? What, what do you think? Um, speaking of, of of chaos magic and and you know challenging and questioning not only external authorities, but even the sort of authorities of our own natural desires versus, you know, perhaps healthier desires. What do you think is, is causing this sort of rejection of questioning and this, this desire to accept just authority at face value without any questioning like it's almost now it's almost a sin to question authority like publicly it's almost a sin like if you're seen as someone who does that now almost anywhere i look in the world it seems like that's a bad you're a bad person and just for 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 asking any questions at all what do you think's going on globally because i've been talking a bit about this in the context of the pluto transit into aquarius with my mom, which is very interesting. I didn't actually expect uh, there'd be so much fruit there, but there is in looking at that transit. What do you think is going on on the planet that we just are seem, seem so ready to accept whatever authority is presented to us? I think that uh, somehow uh, people wants to replace figures on the super ego and somehow we have uh, some desire for authority and uh, when we uh, the family now is very different from the family in the past uh, here in brazil uh, ancient families start with grandfather and grandmother and reunions were made uh, almost every week for uh, lunch or dinner uh, and this they show some kind of structure and in nowadays we don't have this anymore i don't think we don't have this in brazil or in any kind of country um at least in occident um civilization uh so we don't have a, this structure anymore but somehow uh we need this structure we need something to say to us uh what is right or what is wrong and nowadays people are seeking for this structure of the superego in public figures. And somehow I think is 
this the, the, the cause of this is not questioning because when uh, we try to find this uh, another father in a public figure or on, on internet um, we have to exchange a lot of information we have to read a lot and exchange a lot and somehow we imagine that a public figure can tell us what is right or what is wrong and to replace this uh, superego structure i think somehow is the is this pulverization is this decline of the ancient families structures that uh, are causing this here in brazil it's clear uh, that uh, some public figures politicians are replacing this figure of the great father mm. and uh, without the law of the father we we are we are unable to structure ourselves but which law which father these kind of questions are not are not in the the major people thinking uh, they just want a father a great father a law to serve and to say oh if you if you choose this path if you attend to my law i'll be all right in your life and it's not true and but people wants to believe in this people wants to believe in something wants to make walls because i say that um when uh the imaginary is dimension is about making walls and the symbolic dimensions is about open opening windows so people are making making houses from themselves just with all walls with no windows with no windows open so uh, it's a kind of, of it's a kind of uh, uh, vision when you don't have windows you just have walls but walls are still structure uh, somehow you cannot make a house without walls so i think it's about this it's about uh finding some structure in life and questioning is about destruction of these walls it's about uh, opening windows it's about uh, living without this feeling of safety without this feeling of protection which is chaos uh, life is chaos um, we cannot assume that uh, a belief is going to protect us for something but people still want this still something to believe and to protect themselves from the reality of life i think it's this man is uh, beginning with family with this uh, destruction of ancient structures of family uh, this is my vision, of, of course. It's not a study that I, I made about it. Yeah, well, you hear a lot of, of people talking about the, the repercussions, the results of, of the, the eradication of, of 
families and family units and, and the structures of, of uh, families and acknowledging our ancestors. Um, and you also hear people saying that that is what we need, that we need to eradicate. Uh, well, I mean, that's why, that's why you're saying it is something that we see is vanishing and is gone. It's because there's a lot of people who actually think that that's the problem that the problem is family structures and family units and traditional values and all these things. And what we need is to, to blow them all up and, uh, and find something completely different, completely new that, that is not based on these old paradigms. Um, but it's, it's hard to, if you remove value structures, if you, you move, remove pathways of, of say transmitted wisdom or knowledge, like you know you would get from um, from a father figure, and I don't mean necessarily a man, but even but just the kind of um, you know that hakma, that 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 divine wisdom and guidance that that is so necessary to polarize divine understanding. If if you remove the traditional structures by which it exists you're not necessary and, and you don't replace them, right? That's what we have. We've, we've removed old structures, but we haven't replaced them with anything that works or anything that necessarily everyone wants or is necessarily smart. Um, so that's where I see it. Yeah. It seems like we're what, like we're flailing, like we're just uh, thrashing around like as human beings around the planet now, whereas I used to think that we had some strong, wise sort of elders on our planet like elders we could look up to you know when you grow up and you hear about you know you hear about leaders like gandhi or martin luther king or or any of these sort of people obviously they're all flawed and <laughs> some of them were really messed up but they still did great things but now it doesn't feel the last couple of years it doesn't feel like especially as we understand, we've seen how much more corrupt, like in Canada, the politicians are in the States, the politicians, they're all more, way more corrupt than I realized. I didn't know, I think it was quite that bad. I knew it wasn't good, but I didn't think it was like so bad. And now it seems like there's just no, no wise leaders on the planet. There's no wise wisdom, like you're saying, this, this sort of paternal guiding quality at all. I mean, I think this is this is a lot of what Nietzsche was talking about when he talking talked about God is dead and we have killed him, right? Like this, yeah. these old structures that were just had to be abolished or were abolished. But I don't know if we were we were ready to replace them, you know. For this uh, past twenty years. Uh, with the uh, the internet uh, appearing in the life of the most of people on the planet was um, was was kind of a crossroad because uh, traditional values, good or bad, uh, were founded in some real things in life um, you could uh, build a life with these values 
and uh, internet showed to us that uh, we have images. <coughs> we have images of ourselves, images of others. And nowadays, uh, it seems that the law of the father was somehow replaced with the law of image. So mm. people are trying to build images, images that are not structured in values from self, it's just image. Uh, you can see this in Instagram, in Facebook, people trying to show themselves uh, as happy, as successful, and wants to believe on that, wants to believe in that, that images. And when someone uh, like a photograph or like a video, it's a kind of, of okay, uh, this is right. Uh, I am this image that people are liking, but truly it's not. We, we cannot make a life with an imaginary uh, construction. We cannot. We have to build something about values. We have to find ourselves in our own truth. And what kind of truth that is that that is made of images on internet? So not, not only the, the vanish of the traditional values, but uh, also the appearance of this kind of new uh, self-affirmation through images on, on the, 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 the internet. I think we, it was a double problem. We lost something and we found nothing. For me, something like that. <laughs> like that, yeah. <laughs> we lost something and we found nothing. Well, you know, it's appropriate that you say that. As much as I don't necessarily want to jump from Nietzsche to Heidegger, that is the philosophical movement that occurred right after Nietzsche, right? Heidegger came along with this, this question of what is, what is the, the self? Like if, we're, if we can't find ourselves in God anymore, then, then what is the being? What is, what is it to say to I, I am? And Heidegger's, well, very complicated answer to that has had to do with the fact that we are becoming we're always becoming because there if you if you stop sort of at any moment you'll see just a just an emptiness just a crevice of being because that being is not yet fulfilled because we're still in the process um not maybe explaining it super well but i'm trying to think of how to say the concepts in a in uh without using the technical terms but yeah I mean, we, we lost, so we, we, we got rid of God and the, the puritanical social constructions we had used to imprison and define God. We got rid of that with Nietzsche, and then we, we find ourselves in the groundless ground. The abgrund is the term, right? The groundless ground of being. So what are we now? Well, it's, it's something that is sort of defined by its transitoriness, by the fact that it whenever you try and define it or grab it, it slips away. 
I don't think we can replace God is the problem. I don't think we can replace the sense of, of right and wrong um, or of right, right relationship. You know, it's, it's so, it's so deeply embedded. I think you can't follow that, that train of thinking into relativism. I mean, this is always sort of gone without saying, but not anymore, apparently, because so many people have slipped into relativism, as we see in various aspects of the hot topics of today. Um, you know, that there is no meaning, that the mean, only meaning is whatever you make, but that just is not satisfying. There has to be more than, than that. And we feel it when we slip out of right relationship when when it, when our lives don't feel good that is the sign right that is that is the indicator that that we have sort of slipped into the imaginary and out of a consensus reality the symbolic reality is dependent on us agreeing on what the meaning of the symbols are if you don't agree you're you're departed. You've you've gone into the imaginary, and this is not imaginary, of course. In in Lacanian terms, this is not a great, is not a positive thing necessarily, right? <laughs> when Lacan says, um, <laughs> you know, talks about someone in the imaginary order of things, that's not necessarily a a statement that of mental health, right? Right, and <clears throat> somehow I found a way to the feeling of emptiness when when I go to the nature I like a lot to go by myself alone to the beach or to the woods and I found myself there and somehow uh, those feelings of being part of nature of see myself as mortal because when you stay on the beach, so this, these rocks and these sands, uh, we're always here for the past thousand years. And uh, yeah, I'm part of it. And just being there and just feeling the life of nature somehow for me works to fool uh, this emptiness of meaning because I think that uh, these objects, uh, these Freudian objects that we place desire, uh, that we invest desire, are somehow without values from themselves. Uh, people are seeking for new cars or uh, a prettier girlfriend or boyfriend or a more powerful position at work. And when they attain, attain that, they just uh, lose uh, something because this is the nature of desire. Uh, it's, 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 it's not to be fulfilled at all. It's, um, it's a, a metonymic uh, rolling from one thing to another and be grounded to me is feeling being part of nature to feeling that I am mortal, that I will die someday and I am part of this nature. 
somehow for me it works. Uh, I don't see it working for most people because people that uh, want to go to beach to make selfies, to take photos, and wants to go to nature, to the woods, to the mountains, to make photos, to make lives. And uh, I think that this is a, a this showed to us that uh, people are, are really lost from themselves. They are not um, grounded in nature anymore. They are grounded in these uh, Freudian objects of desire that society uh, want us to, to desire. Um, for us to work more, to alienate our time, to alienate us from nature. Uh, I think that we lost this connection with nature. Probably it's what uh, you see as this uh, lack of connection with God. Um, I, for myself, uh, see uh, nature as some kind of God, not this patriarchal figure of authority that religion uses, but something alive, which uh, is uh, we are part of, as we are part of nature. Uh, somehow I think it works. People uh, find somehow uh, realization in being in nature, probably they start to ask themselves if those things uh, that society wants really are really will make them happy or not. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's sometimes we should probably go for a, a walk in nature and leave our phones at home. But bring a compass, bring a compass. <laughs> yeah, so you don't yeah. get lost. And uh, maybe a few friends in a bag of shrooms or uh or just uh yeah i think so i think i think what we're dealing with is like a mass um you know so so again looking in lacanian terms at the symbolic order which is basically for those who don't know it's it's all of our reality everything that you experience is basically part of the symbolic order you don't impart, experience anything that's part of the real, unless you like jump off a building and hit the ground. When you hit the ground, that's the real goodbye. But but real, the real can be encountered also in smaller ways that um, are defined by the trauma they cause to the symbolic order, to the consens consensual reality you live in with other people, and that can shatter that reality and force you to put it back together. Um, hopefully, you can. And that's the the role of you know therapy and just mental well-being, of course, is to put that symbolic reality back together in a way that is congruent and lines up with the people around you. Because if it doesn't, like if you think you're, you know, then you go into Don Quixote land and you think you're fighting dragons, and now you're in the imaginary. And this is the realm of where mental illness is seen to exist by Lacan in this framework of this tripartite, triple division of sort of psycho reality 
which is interesting though because it does have a lot of connections with a metaphysical view of the universe which is the interesting thing about Lacan his psychoanalysis or psychoanalytic philosophy is really touches the edges of metaphysics in a very interesting way I think that's why so many of us in philosophy are interested in it and even in theology and, and stuff so but and when we go out when we when but but here's what I think is happening when we can't agree on those symbols anymore like right now in our world we don't agree on symbols and even what they are or what they mean we've almost thrown out we've thrown all meaning up for grabs almost like you know make your own meaning just it's it's whatever it is to you that doesn't matter if anyone else relates to it like you see this even in uh <laughs> let me like even in 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 uh, all the people who are taking uh, traditional magic and, and rituals and saying well you don't need any of that stuff you can just make up your own thing well sort of yes i mean you and i both of course love chaos magic and everything uh, a lot of what comes along with that ethos but when you dis when you when you throw out agreement on symbols it becomes very hard to work with other people and in just a everyday living sort of way when people don't agree on symbols they naturally tend to depart into the imaginary and this is where you have all the 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 obsession with images and 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 pictures and and presentation of the self as as something that is different from what it's representing right if you present your life as only happy and great on instagram and and don't show anything else well you're creating an imaginary world there and that can be good i guess if it's used in a magically responsible way to manifest where you want and what your desires and goals are but it can be very i think unhealthy because if, if you really depart into it because you're just not living in the social agreement anymore you're not living in in a realm so i think there's a trauma happening globally with, with meaning and it, i think a lot of it has to do with our ability to agree on on the symbol set that we work that we work with does that make sense uh, yes i um, i completely agree with you and um i can't uh can say to you that I think that the, the not not all the symbolic, uh, <clears throat> but majorly language uh, are not uh, used anymore as a sacred way of manifesting things. Um, here in Brazil, uh, we find that. Uh, People lies a lot, no? yeah. so people wants to uh, manipulate another 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 person uh, through language. And uh, Bolsonaro, our president, that the bag of shit, is one of the most uh, liar person, the most liar person that I ever saw. Uh, he uses lie as a way to to, to talk. Uh, you can uh, reverse every phrase that he talks, and you can can find the truth. Uh, so I think the thing is, language uh, for most people was not a way of manifesting their own truth. 
language became something that you can use as a tool to manipulate others. I think this is the, the center of the problem. You can find this problem almost everywhere, uh, almost every country, in almost every media. Language is not sacred anymore. So when you, you deprive language from this uh, sacred aspect of uh, showing truth, uh, so what we can what, what we can use uh, instead of language for telling the truth for uh, this tradition of truth. So for me, uh, I, I I agree with you. Uh, and for me, is most it's more related to the wrong use of language, to using language as a tool to somehow uh, make these images uh, of of what people have to believe. And uh, so I think the problem uh, begins in language. Uh, how people are using language in the past uh, decades, decades. Uh, and myself, uh, in my life, I try to, to use language in a sacred way. So when I tell something to someone uh, in Portuguese, because um, my English is not uh, I'm not a fluent uh, speaker of English. You are to, the last time that I was able to think in English was about uh, two years ago. Uh, so for mm -hmm. me, it's kind of hard to, to express myself in English. But in Portuguese, I use language as a sacred tool. Um, mm -hmm. I am a person that does not lie. I, if something that I don't want to say, I just don't say. I just don't say the words. I just, uh, I prefer to not speak something than to speak a lie. That is the goal. That is the goal. I mean, yeah. I mean, it certainly honestly makes your days a lot more enjoyable. I've, I've found, you know. <laughs> Um, it makes it easier to sleep at night and yeah. be uh, just a happier person. So, yeah, I mean, being honest can get you in trouble, but it's, it's, it's you know, uh, I think a clear conscience is uh, underrated these days. You know, look at how miserable people are. Well, uh, you know, the people are miserable i think because partly because of the corruption of our symbols and the corruption and degradation of our language like if these things don't have meaning then yeah what does what does your word mean what does what does the compliments you give to your friends mean you know if 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 we don't have uh any depth to those uh, those those thoughts and feelings when you, a uh, person starts to use language in a truthful way, every word became a spirit. Every oh, word I like that, yeah. Became a 
two of power. So if I say something and I am truthful with my language, I am moving the universe through language. So for me now, uh, magic is language. Magic is the right using of language. Uh, and uh, I had a lot of good results with that. I became a person that I sleep well every night and people believe in me when I say something because they, they, they know that I am not speaking lies. And it's very, very, a very interesting way of living. You have to learn how to be in silence uh, most of times because when people, <laughs> yeah, because you don't. Oh, oh, I know why. <laughs> I know why. Yeah. <laughs> people yeah, don't yeah. want to, to, to hurt groups. Huh? People <laughs> want to be uh, eluded huh? somehow. And, uh, it's hard, but uh, it's a way. It's a way, and it, when you put yourself this way, you learn how to be in silence, and you learn to speak less. And when you when you really speak, you are an instrument of truth. And for me, this is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, amen. I mean, it can definitely do harm. I actually. Some, sometimes I just discovered, uh, well, I just, I, the, just the other day I had a, a moment where I, I was, I, when, I, when I teach my students, I do a, a weekly class on Sunday. Let's, let's, let's pretend that I'm honest with them, <laughs> let's, that I tell them the truth as best I understand it. And where I don't know the truth, um, I try and make that clear. But sometimes there's things that you definitely know for sure, especially doing magic as long as as we've done it right you know you tend to know your tradition very well or the path to get from a to b using a certain tool right so you know when it comes to certain golden dawn rituals or certain kabbalistic practices i know how to get from a to b right i know how to tell someone else how to get from a to b and help them get there and and there's no deception in it however not everyone likes what they hear and so I, I i had another experience the other day where i was i was just honest about some things like you know if you want to do kabbalistic magic you gotta you gotta memorize the hebrew alphabet eventually and you gotta like memorize divine names like you know ahe yah l all these names all the all the divine names so down to adonai haaretz right this is very very normal this is normal that you memorize these things and after I and I and I and I knew that was that was true that that look you're just not going to get very far if you don't at least learn that in your mind. And uh, afterwards, the student like just totally quit. I was like, wow, whoa, I was, that was surprising. I thought I thought you enjoyed the the lecture, and the reason was because they don't believe that that's true. They believed I was lying to them about needing to learn the Hebrew alphabet to do kabbalistic path working about learning the names of God's God on the Sephirot to work with the, those Sephirot and those, you know, angels. They, they believed that I was lying and misleading them. And I was like, really? Because I'm pretty sure 
that I know for a fact that if you don't learn these things, you're not going to get very far. You're not going to get to B. You're not even going to get past the first step if you don't learn these things. And they said, no, that's not, not true. I have these things in the books. I can look them up anytime. I think you're full of shit. See you later. I'm like, well, you look, you're looking them up in the book doesn't help you when you're in the middle of doing rituals. And they're like, man, too bad. So, you know, you got to be honest, even when it's going to hurt you. You know, I could have done what some people do. Like, I know it's tempting, right, to then just tell people what they want to hear so that everyone likes you. And like you said, so we were like when we said in the beginning, so you get followers, so you get devotees because you're telling them what they want to hear and, and, and presenting yourself a certain way. But that's not honest, right? It's not honest. Yeah, and, uh, the, the, um, yeah, you you are right. You told you, you tell person something that they want, the, that he or she don't want to doesn't want to hear. Um, it kind of it's a kind of um, hard thing because uh, ego plays. Uh, defense uh, they have these images of themselves that they want to defend and the ego is there for defend and they they in they, they have they probably think that uh, the they are they were right uh, they can uh, look to these words in a book but thing um, is um, I think it's more, more mundane. It's, it's, it's more like uh, something that um, a person says, oh, uh, X is equal to A. And this is a kind of truth. They are saying that X is equal to A. But it's different when you say, oh, I think that X probably, probably is equal to A. You change it, uh, the entire phrase, and you put it. Uh, you put something that you are saying that you are not sure. And the same is when I say something that I believe. I can say I believe this is like this, and I'm saying that this is my belief. I am not saying that this is the absolute truth. It's, it's a little change of choosing words. Uh, I can say to you that as I see, something is this. As I see is not an absolute truth. It's as I see is I believe. Uh, these little changes in phrases can make major change in how you perceive reality. Because if I show doubt, if I show that can be another way, can be another, could be another answer to a question. So I am making um, walls with open windows. Uh, I'm mixing these things. I'm mixing, I'm mixing some degree of uh, certainty with some degree of uncertainty. And I think this is um, really how we should use language. Uh, because 
as as you put in your in in but you put it as well uh, opinion is one thing and truth is another thing and if i show per a uh, person that is talking to me the difference that what is my opinion and what is truth well i am starting to use language as a sacred tool because i am not uh, inducing no one uh, to believe in something uh, as an absolute truth. Um, I think that, that this is, is, is something very simple as is choosing words, choosing how you speak something. Um, and it can be a problem uh, uh, if you don't use this because people um, want to imagine something, something. People wants to believe. And if you say something as a truth, as a truth, as an absolute truth, probably someone will believe in it as a truth. And if you, and if you say something with a degree of, uh, of a degree of, of, can be this way or can be another way. So you, can, you, are, you are making a crossroad. And a person, a, a people can people can see that in the the, the perceiving of of the language that you are not saying that something is really like that can be like that or not can be something else. Um, so I'm not saying that uh, we have to 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 be. Uh, Strictly uh, using uh, formal lang formal language as a way of speaking, but uh, to to show people when we are when we have doubts, when we are uh, when we are unsure of something or not. Um, this is a kind of expressing uh, myself as a person that has help, has my doubts about life has my doubts about thoughts, and which I uh, can present as a proof because uh, I'm not saying that something is absolute truth. I'm saying that is uh, probably my, my point of view uh, as I see things or uh, as I believe something, being something. And uh, it's, it's, it's little, little choosing of, of words, how we use words speaking something um uh well my my english is very limited so i cannot put it in better words but it's something like that is uh, how we choose to speak mm -hmm. yeah so yeah so uh, speaking of um like you said, the, the use of language and, and, and meaning. Um, you have, uh, you have a, a kid that's very much the, the generation sort of that everyone's talking about right now, right? Um, the, 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 I don't know if you call it, if they're millennials or Zoomers or what, I don't know what they are, but you know, um, at that age, like early 20s, um, they're sort of, they're, 
they're they're in the middle of what we're we feel like we're sort of observing i think you know because what's going on right now doesn't make sense to a lot of slightly older people even even someone my age does i don't really get what's going on like i i'm at the age now where i can't talk to 20 something year olds and automatically know what they're talking about like they'll start talking about things and i'm like what are you talking about and i don't even know even if they explain it i'm like this makes no sense uh how you're seeing things i i find that with with the the shift like i never thought that i would find that but everyone older always said oh one day you know younger people won't make sense to you either i'm like come on come on but now i see that i look at some younger people and i'm like i do not understand how you see the world that would lead you to live the way you're choosing to live or or, or want the kind of world that you kind of want like you know you this you see this with the the cancel culture that the young kids are are all into they just like love the idea of canceling everyone who doesn't disagree with them and if you don't agree with them on every point you can't be their friend like this is a new idea the idea that you have to agree with people on everything or you should lose your job and be on the street that's that's new i don't remember that growing up yeah i mean here, here we, we are facing this here as well uh, because um in my time when i was a kid uh there was there was not this uh, political uh correct cor- uh, or right way of talking Oh, yeah, uh, right think. I Let's call it what it is. I, right think. Yeah, I, I suffered a lot of bullying at my early ages. A lot, man. Uh, I I grow I grow in a place that I had to to carry a knife with myself. Jesus. A kid, man. A kid. I had to carry a knife to protect myself. Um, for nowadays. Uh, People cannot talk a, 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 a word. If you say a, a word that is, is labeled as wrong, uh, you can be canceled. Uh, so, um, but this, this generation are suffering from this lack of meaning. They are so focused in uh, saying words that don't hurt anybody and uh, to choosing the, their, the, the people that are inside their bubbles. Mm. But I think this is one of the problems that uh, was caused by this deprivation of the sacred language. Uh, people are choosing choosing labels uh, to use. Uh, my daughter, uh, she has 21 years um, old and she, she thinks that uh, the image that she shows to the people are the most important thing in life. People oh. have to, to, to see her as a happy, young, beautiful woman. But uh, as I dealt with my problems in my early ages, she's dealing with her problems as well, but she cannot show that she's dealing with problems. 
Oh, right, yeah. Uh, and this is a problem because um, how can you, you you show yourself as a depressed person one day? Because uh, as, as Schopenhauer says, happiness is just a, a, a little blink in an unhappy uh, life. So what the fuck, man? Uh, These young generations are really happy. Uh, what I have lost, because I am not so happy as them. I live most of my days in, in thoughts of how can I solve my problems and how can I do things well done in my job. And uh, I don't know. These this young people now seems to be happy every fucking day. I, I, don't, I don't see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah what, that must be, I mean, the idea of, of needing to be happy or even just present yourself as happy and doing well every day it seems so exhausting to me. I mean, like, I mean, you remember the, the music we listened to like in the late eighties and nineties, that's when a lot of the industrial and heavier music came along music that indulged, you know, intense feelings. And that was really therapeutic for me as a teen. And, and to know that, like I, I was in the, the early 90s goth movement. So like a lot of, I knew a lot of people from the 80s goth scene that were around, but like it was permission I got, like rest in peace Anne Rice, because when I was 13, you know, I read Interview of the Vampire. I was like, oh, it's okay to sort of have these intense feelings and and explore them and go into them and and understand them and and let them live in my life like let let let's deal with them let's let's let this be a part of me and see what it's going on here um whereas i can't imagine the pressure to never seem like that to never seem like you have issues or anything like that or worse to glorify having issues as a way of getting social credit that's the other thing right so you either got to be happy or you got to have real real big problems and then you have people competing to see who has bigger problems that's even crazier than the needing to be happy all the time but maybe not maybe they're both equally mentally divergent and <clears throat> yeah a lot of pressure for young people um a lot of how... pressure and I, I don't know i think i think that everybody here in brazil uh, uh would be able to do sessions in psychoanalysis uh, because um, we have a very stressful uh, life here for most of people. Um, it's about food, it's about uh, being able to eat, it's about having a shelter, it's about to have clothes and have a job. It's a very stressful situation. But uh, therapy around here, it's, it's, it's expensive for Brazilian standards. Oh yeah. Uh, a psychoanalysis sessions around here is about uh, $50. People don't have this because uh, salary, the minimum salary around here is about $200 monthly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's almost nothing. Man. Yeah. And I think that people uh, should go to therapy. Everybody should go to therapy and Amen. have some some 
some tool to to be able to to work with this uh, this suppression of reality because it's a suppression of reality uh, to be happy all the time. Uh, this is not normal. People are yeah. not happy all the time. Yeah. So uh, I think it, it, it's, the, it's the it's the center of we are being talking about. Uh, what we lost, what we have lost. And uh, I think we lost this place of being normal to be unhappy um, some days. Uh, it's normal. But uh, we lost this place. We lost this normality of life, of struggle, of uh, these intense feelings that we have of aggression among uh, among another feelings uh, here uh, this I, I want to every fucking day I want to kill the president okay <laughs> uh, I can't say this now because I, I'm talking with you and people that are outside of my country uh, if I talk this in, 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 in Facebook in Portuguese uh, probably <laughs> the federal police will knock my door and and put me on chains. Oh, you fucker, you want to kill the president. No, it's the feeling. I have this, uh, this aggression uh, upon him because he's a psychopath in charge of the country. But what, man? And I think that this is a way to find uh, the, the reality of life, uh, to be able to feel, to feel, uh, the aggression to feel uh, unpleasant uh, thoughts, to feel unpleasant feelings. Huh? Yeah. But, yeah, man. Yeah, we're lucky. I guess we don't have that total. We're not fully there yet. We still got quite a bit of freedom compared to that up here. I mean, we just had in New Brunswick, right? All these, everyone just protested in the streets, like hundreds of thousands of people protesting in the streets in New Brunswick in Canada because the government just gave them permission to ban anyone from grocery stores or from buying food if you're not fully boosted and vaxxed. So, you know, they can just keep putting out, you know, boosters. And if you don't get it, you don't eat anymore. And people are like, this is, this is a human rights violation and all of that, which it is, it is, totally is. But yeah, it's, it's scary to see us going into that full totalitarianism um, so rapidly. And, uh, you know, obviously I grew up thinking we could never be like, we could never have a leader like Bolsonaro or that kind of thing. But now it's like, oh yeah, I can see how this could happen in my lifetime. Um, you know, not, not probably right away, but who knows? I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to find meaning. It's hard to find any meaning when the people that you were supposed to sort of trust and rely on turn out to just be a bunch of crooks <laughs> who yeah. don't, act, you know, and, and the internet has revealed this, like the, the openness of information, the ability for me to talk to guys like you and, uh, you know, Marcelo in Brazil and, and uh, hear what it's actually like. Cause it's always so different when I talk to people who actually live in a place and it compared to what I hear on, on the news or wherever I hear information, you know, it's just so different. 
like uh, I've talked to a lot of people internationally, a lot of my friends, we've stayed in a lot of touch, close contact since COVID, of course. And to hear what the governments are saying, and then I call up my buddy who lives there, and it's like a very different story. And it's just so weird. Like, so it seems now like our media up in, up in North America now is just complete pure propaganda. And that's, that's a change. I think that's a change. I don't think it, I know it wasn't always like that. Like, yeah. And how how can young people find meaning in this kind of situation? Like, why should they take anyone, any of us seriously? So it's like, if you take away meaning, there's no reason to listen to your family or your friends or your elders because they don't know anything, right? There's no, yeah. and even if they did know something, the thing they know doesn't matter because there's... They are old. Yeah. Because they are old and this is new time. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Uh, uh, well, I I speak with my with my daughter uh, about these things, about um, how this desire of uh, being accepted is overvaluated, mm. and how to to feel uh, happiness with little things in life how to feel happy uh, being able to walk with your dog in the street uh, or being able to go to a beach or another simple things in life because life is this life is about time life is about uh, leaving uh, some mark of uh, simple realizations through life and uh, people are expecting too much uh, another day ago uh, uh, on the internet on facebook uh, on my group uh, cause brazil uh, one one young guy uh, asked me if uh, i was a person that had achieved uh, what I desired in life, and I, I, I told him, yes, I had achieved my desire in all the things that I desired. And then he said to me, oh, but you are not Jeff, Jeff Bezos. Uh, yeah. You are talking shit. And I said, well, man, your object, uh, your meaning of life is being and Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos person, so you are completely lost, man. It's not the about that. Yeah, they call that the prosperity doctrine. I don't know if you've heard that phrase anymore. It came in through through sort of, I believe, I don't know the actual technical historical roots because I'm sure academics have studied this, but the, the prosperity doctrine is this idea that came out of American evangelicalism, I believe, that, that says that, um, you know, money essentially money and happiness are the same thing and if you're happy you'll get money and if you're you know but not just happy like love jesus the right way um, you know if you if you do live the right way you should be you should become just bezos if, if you know you love god enough or do the right things or join this church or whatever but the idea within that is 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 what you're talking about right this idea that 
um, to, to have made it, to be successful in, in your, if you're a magician and you have desires and goals and dreams, then the accomplishment of those must equal Jeff Bezos or some other, you must be some influencer or be at least wealthy, at least wealthy. And this is, this is the greatest lie. I mean, like, you know, uh, this is what Trent Reznor was singing about in the early nineties and mid nineties, right? Like this is what all that angry music was about was realizing like, okay, this is, you know, the, cause of the, cause of what happened in the eighties, of course. Right. You know, with the out of control greed um, and, and corporatization of everything. We came um, out of that realizing it's a bunch of bullshit. And, and it was very common for us to know when I was growing up, that that money and power and prestige did not equal that you were a good person did not make you happy or any of these things and now somehow that's changed where people again are starting to think the quality the value of a person is is how much money they have in the bank and success in life requires wealth but the truth is as you and i know that if you want if you want to say you've like have you achieved for example like some bit of true gnosis some kind of enlightenment have you achieved enlightened states even momentarily the lesson from those states of course is not to become jeff bezos jesus christ like talk about switching uh the sephiroth for the clip out um you know happiness in life is being able to enjoy what you have the presence of the moment the power of now if you want the uh, going to a dog to the beach with your dog being content with where you're at, with what you have. And from that place, I think, from that place of uh, contentment, you can enter that you can enter true contemplation, which is the contemplation of the only thing that is ever truly at the end of the day worth contemplating, which is your relationship to yourself and the world, right? Your, your, the, the, the quality of your microcosm you could say and its association and its alignment with everything around you this is what we call in ethics of course right relationship and that is that is enlightenment if you have right relationship you have contentment if you have entered into that powerful now you you no longer are torn apart by like you know what the philosophers call you know lacan i think calls objet ah the objet ah the the little other right the the more the the thing that keeps departing it keeps retreating right that ground that you're seeking that ground which you can call bezos or influence ship or whatever um you know afflicted goal you think will define your happiness it keeps retreating from this it goes the more you walk toward it the more it retreats this is heidegger's groundless ground right and so we're never you're never going to have that and if you think that's the goal you're literally on the wrong path. Like that is the journey to hell in a handbag. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And <clears throat> the, uh, the object A is something that uh, you will never have. Yeah. Exactly. I'm so glad you know that that term, object A. Yeah, the object A. Yeah, the objet petit A and the objet A. Yeah, you'll never have it. Yeah. And because um, it false was self. this 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 void that uh, is object A, uh, you will never have because uh, truly is uh, the 
the origin of it is the incestual uh, <clears throat> incestual um, uh, happening of disposing your mother and killing your father. This will never happen. Uh, and uh, <laughs> this is what makes the object pay. And, uh, yes, yes, because it does go back to Freud. It does. Yeah. And so um, there's, no, there's no meaning of life in possessing objects, possessing things. And people think uh, ma the major thinking is that you have to have a lot of money to have uh, luxury things, to have a plane, to have a ship, uh, to have hundreds of, of houses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And none of these things will fulfill this, uh, this void. So uh, I can put my desire in little things. I can put my desire in finishing a day with the feeling that, that I, I did the best of myself that I, I jumped into my job and, and did it well and treated uh, everyone that uh, across my way, treated these people well and to put my head in the pillow and be able to sleep well and uh, waking in another day uh, full of, 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 of life because uh, this is about little things. This is about uh, uh, being in, as you said, uh, in this powerful present. Uh, I think that we don't have time. My, my, my way of seeing life uh, is that we don't have time. Yeah. No money can buy time. Jeff Bezos, with all his money and his billions, cannot buy another day of life when death comes. So we are alive today, walking to death. So we have to make the better that we can do of each moment, of each day. It's not about being the biggest person, uh, to be the biggest influencer, or to be known for for your name to to everybody in the in your country is not like it's not for that we are living. We we, we can live in a way that uh, we can fulfill fulfill our lives with uh, little pleasures uh, and uh, building a life with every day of work and every day of love. And I think life is about this, being the present and living it. Uh, not about wanting to, to be a person that you, you are not. Amen. I mean, that is, <clears throat> yeah, that is beautifully said. Just, uh, and this is, this is in some ways the, the mystical role of, of, of any of us human beings because I think uh, any as soon as you start taking the spiritual work seriously you enter into that that position where 
you are getting glimpses and moments, if not living days in, in that space of, of sort of, hmm, what's the word for it? Yeah, yeah enlightenment is just a shitty word. Hmm? For the last two hours, this is this is my present patois is the word for it. Yeah, well, no, I think that's the, the reason we keep using the word enlightenment in 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 uh, West in the mysteries is because we don't have better words for it. Um, and I mean, there's some Kabbalistic terms that are okay. You know, Eckhart Tolle's power of now people people resonated with that idea that makes sense to people It's sort of okay. But it's 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 a hard thing to define. Yeah, I mean, I I like the idea of just contentment. I think that's a very underestimated and powerful idea and and a, a spiritual state. But I like to look at it a, a lot as the as just the movement from the true self and the false self, like rather than higher and lower, which is just so those are such heavy terms and they imply so much. We all know what, what we mean when we talk about the, our false selves, like our lower selves, it, it's conflicted because it's like, well, Hey, we gotta, we gotta eat and drink and take care of our, our mundane lives and go do work. We don't want to do to survive a lot of the time. And that is necessary. So it sucks to think of it as lower, but it's certainly not part of like, your neshama or the divine holy guardian angel or your higher self like those things wouldn't fall into that category but that's why i think the idea of the false self as the the and the true self makes more sense because in the true self you still take care of your daily needs and your mundane life that's still a holy thing um and the false self then is just something is just the things that don't serve you is just rather than being lower you know what i mean anyway it's a small terminological issue but i think it gives us some indication of of the enlightenment problem that we face because you know i've we've i've met so many spiritual masters who can't feed themselves and it's 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 crazy like you know i've met ones that have to have students come over to their houses every day to feed them their meals because they're so in so enlightened they can't you know make a sandwich i've met these people and they're very successful but these are the these sort of this is sort of the bullshit they spin around themselves you know and i think it's i think it's completely insane um uh, even though it seems to gather a lot of followers and i just think it's a false idea presenting a false notion i think it's the same same corrupt idea afflicted idea as as we see in in, in our society now that we're talking about this obsession with image right the idea that to be a, a great spiritual teacher you have to somehow be um so advanced that you're no longer competently able to survive in this world without help and i think that's missing the whole point i mean one of the greatest magical acts i've ever done in life is like you know making a really good sandwich and i know some people are going to take that and spin that the wrong way but you know what i'm talking about contentment simple pleasures all these things and that's the glory of god here now yeah i can i can uh, relate to this uh when i cook as i told you i live i live alone uh, most of days so I have to cook to myself. I have to take care of my house. 
and everything. And it's it's fine. It's 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 a it's a, it's a making of the day. I cannot live with all these things. Uh, I want to travel, but to be able to travel, I have to work and to be able to work in a good environment i have to take care of my house i have to make uh, a healthy food because uh, if i eat only uh, industrial things i probably would be uh, will, will die soon so i have to pay, make uh, food from vegetables and meat and everything from the beginning and it's a part of the day, and it's fine. And it's, it's a, as you said, uh, it's contentment uh, to be able to 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 live through uh, without uh, help of 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 any kind. It's, um, I think it's a it's a hard life, but it's okay. Uh, I don't, I don't like to, to clean the house, but if I don't clean the house, the, the, my, my environment of work is, uh, be, will be depressing. So I have to clean my house. So I put my, my headphones and put some trance music and clean my house dancing. And it's, uh, it's, it's fine. I, I feel happy with that when I see that the house is completely clean and the dishes are completely washed. And so I am able to, to live through another day. It's about the same, man. I, I don't see, uh, I, I think it's about balance. You have to be balanced. You have to, okay, you have to earn some money, uh, enough money to, to, to make your things that you want to do, uh, to travel, to go to the beach, to smoke some ganja and to drink some uh, good whiskey, but you don't have to to drink fifty years uh, Macallan whiskey every day. Uh, <laughs> no, but you were drinking some nice whiskey when I did Marcelo's podcast, uh, yeah. the Project Maya podcast. I'm saving that bottle. I'm going to uh, let someday in the future when this COVID thing was. Under, uh, will be able uh, to be under control. I am saving that bottle for us to drink uh, together. And we'll drink that bottle together someday, probably. All right, man. Well, yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. I mean, I'm uh, for all, I know I say some, some radical stuff on my podcast sometimes, but you know, I just like to say shit. That's the whole point of these podcasts, right? It's like one of the few places left where you can sort of just talk and not be worried um maybe we should be worried but whatever um and uh yeah yeah i th i think i think we will be able to i think things are going to straighten out a little bit and we're going to be able to travel and live again and I'll, I'll, i'd love to see i've always wanted to see south america um and uh be great to see see brazil um then it'd be great to have you come visit visit up here yeah it'd just be great to get back to life but Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Um, I'd love to drink that McCollin with you. That would be great. That would be very good. Yeah. It's almost uh, Christmas, yeah. eh? Almost Christmas. Yeah. Well, it's been, it, time is just flying. Like, it feels like it was, yeah. Well, this is, that's two years in lockdown for you. Yeah. Jeez. Two years. Damn, I can't, yeah. Well, hey, when it started, a bunch, like, you know, 
Fauci and Bill Gates said it was going to be like three years. I think everyone forgot about that. At the time, I was like, wait, did they just say it's going to be three years? Oh, okay, it's going to be three years because they know what's up. And everyone, I remember I told that to them, like, you're insane. It's just two weeks. Chill out. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like in California and I was like, I heard them say it's it's going to be three years. And then, then, then Clubhouse happened and all these like rich and powerful people were on Clubhouse talking about how how what they you know how, what their plans were and they were all talking about three years like they 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 knew right away and they're like it's actually going to be forever and they were saying it will be forever with boosters forever they were saying this in the first right away and uh, people just sort of ignored it and was like that's crazy but no they were they were telling us right up front what the deal was going to be and yeah i i still have optimism though i still have optimism that Things will change. Uh, I think, you know, uh, I think this Omicron, Omicron, the Omicron variant, uh, you know, uh, scientists are saying that it's uh, providing uh, uh, massive immunity, but with very little effects, negative effects. So people are getting it. They don't notice they get it. And then they're going to be maybe immune. So it might be the secret to us all becoming immune. Well, let's pray for that. Yeah, there's studies showing this. It's really, it's interesting stuff. I mean, obviously all of our countries uh, censor different information, but yeah, you know, it's uh, very fascinating. Just, just objectively, intellectually, it's fascinating to watch as an observer. If you step out of your situation, which, uh, you know, is an important exercise for us all to do, I think, is to step out of our situations as much as we're able and look at things from different perspectives. Like, Think of someone who has a perspective you disagree with and imagine you're them. Imagine you're them. Imagine what their life's like. Imagine what sort of things they know. And then try and look at the world through their eyes. This is, I think, one of the most important exercises I ever learned growing up. And I learned it as part of meditation. And, and they even teach the sort of stuff in Amorc. And most mystery traditions have versions of these sort of exercises. And just such, a, such an important thing to do, especially, I think, if we want you know, to not lose all our empathy and compassion for the other. Yeah, this is the essence of empathy. Being able to put yourself in another person's position and see the life with their eyes. Yes, uh, it's very important because without that, we aren't able to relation. We're not able to make a good relationship with anybody. Yeah. Well, this has been a wonderful, wonderful uh, afternoon for me, brother. I'm going to make some food. Where can people find you online? Did you mention Chaos Brazil on Facebook? Yeah, uh, Chaos Brazil on uh, Facebook is uh, one public group for talking about uh, Chaos Magic. So if people um, want to find you and talk Chaos Magic, there's an easy way to do it. Well, the easy way to do it is to write to me, to my email, uh, because uh, my email, I see it every day. Uh, Facebook, I can see it about, uh, about three or, or about three to two days, uh, but in my email, I look to it every day. So my email is... Uh, Z-O-A-K-I-S-T-A 
um, arroba, zoakista.yahoo.com.br. This is the right. easiest way. Uh, you can, uh, can uh, yeah, I can uh, put it in the notes. I can yeah, put it in the notes if you want people to be able to email you. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I have public emails as well. They mostly gather spam and crazy stuff, but that's okay. Um, cool. Yeah, that's great um, for other people who might be interested in, in the kind of uh, chaos uh, system and work you guys are doing. That That's very cool. And uh, yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll certainly join your Facebook group and, you know, come say some crazy things. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'd be glad to have you uh, on Chaos Brazil. Yeah, unfortunately, there's still some really good conversations happening in, in certain fields of magic on Facebook. And, uh, you know, it won't, it probably will not last forever. So I'm sort of enjoying some the opportunity to talk to some people while it's still there um, and be able to talk to other, you know, people who spend all their time studying the same stuff it's 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 a useful thing we want to be able to talk to each other we don't want to lose that right yeah 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 it's just uh well wonderful having you i know you have to go now so uh i will let you go and uh okay thank yeah. you very much thank you for the opportunity uh to talk to you and to your listeners and uh, it's a real pleasure and I'm very fond of you. You are a great guy. I like it you at the first time, and uh, I want to be able to visit you and to receive you in my house here in the in the beach that uh, I bought a house in, in an apartment on the beach. And uh, I they I will be moving to there to the the end of the next year, and I will be able to receive you in a good way yeah beaches are great beaches are great who doesn't like the beach right do you have sharks without sharks without sharks oh i only i want sharks i <laughs> i, I want and then you can film me and i'll get eaten and we'll make the whole movie and, it, and it'll go viral yeah yeah great you know great magician okay. eaten by shark <laughs> maybe not so great <laughs> Oh no, man! I yeah, we you know travel restrictions have lightened. I mean, Canada is sort of open, um, and uh, actually, I was meant to talk to Rufus Opus yesterday on the phone, but I forgot. <laughs> We're gonna see if he can cross the border and come visit Vancouver and do a talk before it's locked down again, because we might lock down again for winter. Who knows? Anyway, it's been a pleasure, brother, and. Uh, yeah, we'll keep in touch. I'll, I'll see you on Instagram, of course. And yeah, I've been wanting to talk to you since we first met and chatted. So yeah, this was great. It was really awesome to get a understanding of, of how you see the world. And, and it's very cool to talk to uh, magicians, especially a magician who has some of the same uh, psychoanalytic philosophy and, and understanding and background that I, I do. So that's really cool, man. And uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time. Thank you very much. We'll do it again. We'll do yeah, it again sure yeah all right and uh we'll we'll keep doing magic to make the world uh, less insane i think we can do that um you know that's been a big thing on my mind is trying to understand enough of what's going on in the world that i can maybe help a little in certain areas i think there's i think there's very small changes that can be made 
um, in our systems and in the hearts and minds of people. Very subtle, small changes that could have massively positive effects if we only sort of take the time to find our the right insight, the right spirits to work with. I think we can really do some good. I believe in it, in it too. It's about uh, the butterfly effect. As small changes can make a whole change in a open system. So thank you very much, brother. And have a nice afternoon. Thank you. And uh, yeah, talk to you soon. Talk to you. Thanks. All right. Stop recording. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now. Hermetic Science Enterprises.co.uk